0: Yes, you'll suffer. You'll suffer the loss of your old identity. But you need to be sane in your thinking. Did your old identity do any good for you? Does it get you out of jams? Does it make another person out of you? Does it help you to stop the abuse to others or the abuse to yourself? This is the way Paul deals with it. If you don't reckon yourself dead with Christ on the cross, then you're going to be resurrecting that old person of you every time you get into a conflict if you're ignorant of this new life that's in you. It's just that simple. So I can go a point further in what I was talking about. There'll be times that God helps you because He loves you and He cares for you. But that not be a standard of His operation. That'll be what we call mercy and grace. But God never does anything for anybody that He doesn't hope they'll fall more in love with Him. That's all He wanted. He, he wants no payment. He just wants you to love Him. Just simply to love Him. Love Him more than yourself. That's what it really measures up to. That's what it was to Paul. He said, I have suffered the loss of everything that's made me who I am for this knowledge of Christ my Lord. So it hurts. You suffer. But that's when you begin to get a clear line between you and a father who birthed you. That's when Him who waits over you and wants you to be one of His chosen children looks at you moving from one point to the next, from this is not me, this is not me. The real me is Christ in me. The real me is that I am a Christ person. He's been joined to my spirit and that's the real me. So I don't want to leave that point where you never are the real you. Once you're saved, there is no real you in memories. There's only a real you in tomorrow, in the future. Because the real you is Christ's Spirit joined to your spirit. That's the real you. But once again, we're more adept at being actors. An actor fools everybody. An actor puts on a show. An actor is in a theater. An actor has memorized certain lines that detail what they must act out. That's what our life's about. We've all got things in our mind, things that we have memorized that this is me. Now, I'm going to be the real me if it kills somebody else. I'm going to be the real me if nobody likes me because that's who I am. But all that does is add to your suffering because God in time is not going to deal with the real you anymore if you sincerely gave your heart to the Lord, if you meant business, if you did it out of great need that you could not save yourself, you needed a Savior. If these thoughts, any of them, caught your mind when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have Christ in you, and God is going to wait until that surfaces in your mind and body. That's the choice you make with God. It has nothing to do with religion because religion is still trying to make an actor out of you. Be a good Catholic. Be a good Baptist. Be a good Pentecostal. Be a good person. Three times in Paul's messages, he says God has no interest in you being good. He has no interest in you stop being evil. That's not his interest at all. The scripture for that says that in Christ there is neither circumcision nor circumcision, uncircumcision. So God has no interest in you being good or stop being evil. What is his interest? The scripture says. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters to God. The only thing that matters is Christ. Christ. What happened to you when you were saved? The seed was Christ. Christ was put in you. Christ became your life to God and you became God's offspring by the seed He put in you. Now, if we can't get together at that point, then we've got a long, hard journey of trying, of overcoming, of making the Bible work, of making good intentions work. But that's where the big choice is made. Once you hear this gospel, then life becomes an issue of choices. The big choice you're going to have to make sooner or later in life is, is it me or is it Christ? Christ. Now you know a lot of things about you, and as I said, if you're sane, you should add all that up to whether it was good or bad. One day I added up all the things that were me, and boy, I didn't mind getting rid of them. they had caused me nothing but trouble. So that was the sanity. The Holy Spirit helped me to have that sanity, and he willed you too. but you need to you need to add it up and make a choice. me. Or Christ. Because there's nothing in between. There's not any other way to God. Now you can leave God out. You can ignore God. But if you've been saved, your life is like an unfixed wreck. You've, got, you've still got the automobile, but it's a wreck. And the wreck is in the mind. And so I come talking to you about what you're going to do when you know that. If you know you've really been saved and you still struggle with trying to do right and to overcome certain things, then you're going to have to make a choice whether it's you or Christ because Christ is a life in you that's going to last for eternity. You're not. You're not going to last. That you could have on this earth unbelievable blessings if you could ever start giving that mind to the Christ that's in you. Don't, Paul said, don't be taken up with the things of the world. But be taken up with the idea of renewing your mind, that the whole idea of your living is fixing that mind to the Spirit that's in you, Christ. That's what a Christian is. That's what a Christian is. Well, there's a great journey to these things. And I want us to take a step or two on that journey tonight by listening to what Paul says, first in Ephesians 3, and I ask you to turn there. So if you have your Bibles... I'm going to read four verses out of this third chapter of Ephesians beginning to read at the first verse. It says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to youward, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Four verses. And I'm going to help you pinpoint these verses by talking about four words. I think a word in each one of these verses. Look at the first verse. It says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Gentiles. That's the first word. I want to talk about most of us in this room are Gentiles if there's a Jew or an Israelite here uh, God bless you you're in a good place but most of us are Gentiles that's a big word when it comes to this final gospel that the Apostle Paul brings us on how we're to live with another person in us that's an important word because until God started dealing with Gentiles God never dealt personally inside or with any other human being. Not a one. So what's the deal with Gentiles? Well, the deal was 1,700 years before Jesus came, God, our Father, had been dealing 2,000 years with humanity and they had never really worked out right. None of them had really worked out right. He had had to empower and bless every one of them that did anything for him. The rest of them were erring, unbelieving humanity. So one day God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set aside a group of people and see if I can get that group of people to love me more than themselves. And so he started with Abraham and the offsprings of Abraham down to Jacob and down finally to Israel, offsprings of Abraham. He began to form a new nation, a new group of people. We call them Israelites. They are Jews. And so God dealt with the nation of Israel that they would become a great nation, numbering the sands of the seas and the stars of the heaven. They're going to be a great nation. And I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to give them the earth. They're going to have the earth. I make a covenant with them that if they obey me and love me, I'm going to give them the earth. That was a covenant he made with them. You see, Israel's still fighting over that little spot of land they got over there around Jerusalem. But but the, but they're going to control all the land between the two rivers there one day and all the nations of the world are going to come under them. That's something else. God made a promise to them. All they had to do was to obey Him. And finally He gave them a message that caused them to see that God had an answer as to how they were going to rule this world. He was going to send a Messiah to them. And so they fit all that into their mechanics and curriculum of Judaism. And they began to look for the Messiah. This was a special group of people. God wasn't dealing with anybody else on earth. Well, one day Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. Came 30 years later, so He began ministering. And He had nothing to do with the Gentiles. Nobody else. By that time, there were a lot of Gentiles still on earth. And so Jesus called his disciples under a definite appointment. One day, Peter, James, and John, fishermen, came to him, and Jesus said, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. You're going to be mistreated. But he said, I want you to go preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're going to build a kingdom on this earth. Heaven's going to be on this earth. And you are my disciples, my followers, and you're going to help me get this word out to everybody. So go preach the kingdom is at hand. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to anybody else. Don't go into any way of the Gentiles. Just go tell these people that we're going to have a heaven on earth And He said, I want you to heal the sick and cast out devils and raise the dead and do all these wonderful things. For three years, Jesus did those wonderful things and tried to be an example to them. But you know what? Israel, that nation, wasn't accepting Him. And in fact, in the second year of His life, they threatened to kill Him. That was their bread and butter. But they were going to kill him. So you know what? In the last week of Christ's life, in the 24th chapter of John, in the 12th chapter of John, around verse 24 and thereon, Jesus explains on Palm Sunday what is happening. And it ends by him saying, Though I have performed these many miracles, They still do not believe. They don't believe me. Well, they could have had Jesus hand in hand. That was a wonderful thing. They could heal the sick and cast out devils and raise the dead. It was a wonderful thing. But instead, they rejected the Messiah. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And it ended. He went back to heaven. A couple of times after he went back to heaven, like on the day of Pentecost in Peter's sermon, the kingdom of God on this earth was offered to Israel once again. And once again she rejected. Over around the 15th, 16th chapter of Acts, the kingdom was offered once again to, to Israel. And she rejected it. You get over to the 28th chapter of Acts and verse 28. And it reads like this. I give a synopsis of it. That Israel is deaf, dumb, and blind. Can't see, can't hear, and can't feel. So the gospel, the covenants, the promises that God made to this people to have a heaven on earth are set aside. And now the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Now try to hold this in your mind if you need background for the things I talk about. He said the gospel now goes to the Gentiles. What does that mean? That meant that God was going to raise up a new group of people. A group of people never been dealt with before. Jesus had nothing to do with Gentiles when he was on earth. There were a couple of times Gentiles came to him. One was the uh, little woman whose daughter was dying and asked the Lord's help, and you know what he said to her? It's not neat for me to give the children's bread to dogs. And the centurion servant came and said, I need help from my master. And once again Jesus rejected him because he was a Gentile. I want you to have feeling for that. Because something wonderful happened in Acts twenty eight. God said, I'm going to bless the Gentiles now. I'm going to give them a gospel. It's not going to be like any gospel that's ever been written or anything that's ever been said before. In fact, it is something I had in my mind before I started the world and I'm going to bring it out to the Gentiles. I want to do it to them. And that's what he did. One day he called this most wicked man on earth as far as God's plan was concerned because he was out destroying followers of Jesus Christ. God called him. He was Saul of Tarsus. God knocked him down, <coughs> struck him blind, and hollered out of heaven at him. Hard for Paul to give up on that. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so it was told him what he must do. God said, I'll tell you. And what God told him was, I'm going to raise up another group of people. And this time, I'm not going to depend on those people. When they ask me for salvation, I'm going to take my own son, my seed, and I'm going to put it in every believing sinner. And from that moment on, I'm going to depend on that life I put in them. I'll not depend on them. If they love me, they'll live that life. That was the call of Paul. He was called to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. That's why I encourage people to read the book Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles because he was the Apostle to the Gentiles. But not only could Gentiles be saved by Christ's death on the cross, anybody could be saved, Jews could be saved. Only a little problem with that was when a Jew is saved he's no longer a Jew. Paul three times says in Christ there are no Jews. There are no Gentiles, no Greeks, no bond, no free, no barbarian, Scythian. He names it all off. Why? Because when you are birthed by God, that's a new father. That's a new lineage. That's a new group, ethnic group of people. It's a new world. They're Christians. See? That's what Christians are. Nobody in Christianity talks about that enough. So we don't know who we are. That's why Christians have become actors. They don't really know who they are. Sad to say the Muslims know who they are. They have the whole intention of taking over this world and destroying Christians. But you see, God raised up a new group of people, and that was you. You're not like anybody else God dealt with. That first group of people that God said will be my people, they're not His children. Israel will never be the children of God. They can be called that one place they are, but they'll never be the children of God. Israelites and Jews that are born again, are the ones that are His children, because you must be birthed by a father to be a child, and He must birth a child to be a father. Israel has never been birthed, was never birthed. They were created by God. But you see, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, a marvelous thing took place. You are birthed by God.